Hello and welcome to Food Systems, a podcast from the Forum for the Future of Agriculture, where we discuss new ideas that can shape a sustainable food system from farm to fork, from policy to consumers, and everything in between. I'm your host, Robert Agraf, and you can find us on Twitter at Forum for Ag. These episodes will be available every other week on all major podcast platforms. Before we get started, we'd like to say a quick thank you to the FFA founding partners, the European Landowners Organization and Syngenta, as well as the FFA strategic partners, Cargill, The Nature Conservancy, Rabobank, Thought for Food, and the World Wildlife Fund. Please enjoy this episode. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Food Systems. We are now in the aftermath of the FFA 2021 month of March series of events, and we are catching back up with some of our speakers. The first one is Samuel Mas. He is the president of SEJA, the European Association for Young Farmers, and also an organic wine grower in the south of France. Samuel, thank you very much for joining Food Systems today. You're welcome. Thank you very much. I wanted to follow up with some of the things you said during your event on the farm to fork policy. You said, and and, in Seja's position paper also says the same, that there is not enough attention to farm income, specifically young farmer income in the farm to fork strategy. So what do you think should be included in the farm to fork to make the income part more viable? Definitely. Thank you very much for this question, because it's definitely the kind of thing that is an issue for us currently, and even more when it's related to the farm-to-fork strategy. Because when we speak about the farm-to-fork strategy, we are looking at an horizon 2030, and for example, on also in 2050 with uh, European neutral carbon. Eh? So if I go back to your point on incomes, uh, what is very important is to see that uh, there is a, a lack of tools, I would say, that is missing. So if I can just like give you some, uh, for example, that we are seeing, uh, is that um, we have a market observatory that is missing, for example, for us. It's very important, uh, even for the consumer, the policymaker, but also us, the farmers, to have access to some data, uh, even more on the price. And with that, we can work all together collectively to make sure that uh, we have more and enough information to know where the market is going currently. Uh, now, if I add that, we also need, because uh, we have a diversity of um, type of production in Europe, but also uh, this small and I would say like short and long-term possibility of market and way of uh, saying our product, I would say. And uh, so this is more support in terms of farm diversification, which is very important. And I can express myself also my constraint that we are living, my brother and I uh, like that and the need of that, this kind of things. Also, we have a need of uh, balance in trade policy. This is very important that uh, there is a big lack because, you know, we have very high expectation for farmers in the EU. But at the same time, uh, we want to import product that we doesn't want, and even our consumer doesn't want. So that's kind of things that uh, we we should uh, be more and pay more attention on that. And of course, uh, enhance uh, trust between the producer and the farmers. That would pass with uh, labeling, and you know, more information would be better at the end uh, to have this kind of trust between the farmers and the consumers. But also, and to finish on this point. Uh, we have also, as farmers, to get back in the, the rest of the process of the food chain. Eh? I'm speaking here, but maybe we will go back later, but uh, using uh, stable contracts, a lot of things could be very interesting to, to get back also power, I would say, in a sense, to, to farmers. That's a good point to pick up on. Also, something you said during the panel is that, that a lot of the demands are on, on the producer side. So the organic stuff, the reduction in crop protection, the reduction in fertilizer, noble goals all. 
But it strikes to me that a lot of the demands are on the producer side. And the more you get to towards the consumer, the less high stakes the, the demands are. So how should the whole food chain become engaged in, in paying for this transition to sustainability? What is funny and not funny at the same time is that the consumer at the end is not seeing a reduction of the price. Is because most of the time the, the pressure is on the farmers at the end of the chain. Eh? And it's what we are saying, and that's what happened during the FFA events. And I think it was very, um, and this is still something that we are living every day on our farm when we are in front of uh, retailers, but also the, the rest of the, the, the process and the food chain, I will say. And because I, I, if I just can give you uh, one, why it's going on like that, it's because we have a lot of farmers, uh, but we are too much divided, I would say, in a sense, because we are not, I would say, organized enough and even through cooperatives and sometimes to face uh, just like a few um, people taking care of uh, the rest of the food chain. And that's why most of the pressure is currently on us, I would say, on, on this specific point. Uh, speaking of pressure, one of the targets in the Farm to Fork is that uh, 25% of the European farmland should become uh, under organic. Now, I know that you are an organic wine grower. Do you think it's it's realistic to have that expectation? Do you think we will get there? Yeah, definitely. Uh, that, that's the goal. Eh? The objectives of the farm to forks to reach uh, 25% of the surfaces in Europe uh, under organic uh, farming labeling, I would say, uh, or certification. And uh, well, I mean, it's, it's not realistic at all eh? because we are only at 7% currently. So to reach in less, I would say, than seven years, eh, because the implementation of the fork to fork will only start in 2023. So that means that we will have seven years, actually, at the end to reach this goal. So I think in terms of uh, capacity of farmers eh, to, to switch to organic farming, but also in terms of uh, market demand, because we have to take also uh, this into account, um, because that's also what is driving us also sometimes. I mean, that's that's one thing. And that's also why we are asking a little bit to find maybe something in between, uh, I will say, like uh, that recognize the, what already farmers are doing, even conventional farmers. I don't know if in English we say conventional farmers, but farmers that already are doing a lot in their farms, taking into account water reduction of use, you know, use water, I would say also pesticide. And they are already, I would say, on the goals that the, 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 the commission wants to reach. And we have to recognize this kind of uh, farmers. And that's why we need something else. Uh, I can take the example in France. We have the high value nature label, I would say. And this is the kind of thing that we should. And I know that a lot of other countries eh, worldwide are doing it. Eh? You, you go in New Zealand or in Australia, you will find this kind of uh, reward, I would say, in a sense. And also that shows to the consumer uh, this also, I would say, high expectation value that they are also looking for. Eh? So... One of the other big challenges that we know that are faced by young farmers, and, and we should recognize there's not that many of them, I think it's only about 6% of all EU farmers are under 35, is a real lack of access to finance capital as well as the, the, the cost of land. If you're not born into a farming family, it's very hard to get the money to buy the land and the machines to make a start of it for, for yourself. So how should the e what is the role of the EU and, and maybe regulation to when it comes to creating a, a land market and a, and a farm market that fun functions better for young farmers? So what is related to land access, because it's, it's still the, the first um, 
issue for young farmers to get into farming sector, I will say, when you don't have, like you said, a family background, I will say. And even if you have family background, because this is my case, we don't own my brother and I the, 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 the lands. Eh? We rent them to the family. If you add all the, the taxes issue that we can have with the state sometimes when it's about inherit, it's something also uh, which is an issue eh, to get back to, 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 to the farming sector and take over a family land. But the problem is there, that's an issue on land that it's a member state level, not EU level. So that's why there is also something that we have and that's why we are pushing as young farmers to make sure that uh, we have the proper tools and regulation to support also the young farmers in each member state to have the proper regulation for them to give you to give them access to land. Eh? And after now, if I go about how can the EU can support farmers? So that's why we are currently pushing eh, on the on the budget. Uh, you can see that now we are pushing to have like a higher budget dedicated on pillar one and pillar two for young farmers. Uh, which is very important. Eh? We are asking for 4% dedicated to young farmers. This is definitely very important. And after that, we have to uh, get a lot of other support. It could be through investments because that's a big part of the beginning uh, when you are starting. You know, just buying a tractor is very expensive, but also any kind of machinery or even to plant a new vines can cost like 25,000 euros just to plant a vines. So that's kind of an example that you can have uh, in terms of uh, supporting young farmers to get into the act to access to to farming yeah so let's talk a little bit more about where you are and and the other sort of constraints faced by young farmers you mentioned on the panel one of the things that you're still not having enough is even in your village is something like fast broadband if you look at your immediate local area what needs to be done there to make it more attractive for young people to to come in and take over from an older generation of farmers yes definitely what we the lack eh, that we have in uh, rural areas i've said or in remote areas because i mean I, I can easily say that i'm only 25 minutes from a metropole which is montpellier which is kind of a big city i will say but still uh, even 20 kilometers from these kind of cities uh, we have a very low broadband connection i will say in internet and uh, the rest also goes with the uh, the, the, I would say the rest of the facilities that we can have access uh, in infrastructures. Uh, for example, you know, I'm a great grower, so I want to save my bottles. But if I have, uh, if I want to increase agritourism, so wine tourism, we can say that I have no restaurant or hotel close to mine. And so that means that if I have uh, people, consumers or, you know, tourists coming to my area, they will not stay long because they have no possibilities to stay in my area. So that's the kind of thing that we need also from regions uh, to help also uh, to, to figure out how we can collectively work with the rest of uh, the, 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 the what's the, the other actor of local to, to help out. And that could go also into support uh, related to also roads. Uh, sometimes, I mean, you have farms so far away that you cannot get any truck coming to your, to your, to your farm. So that's a lot of things that we need uh, from um, from regions, I would say, and the support of the EU to, to to follow on that. Because this is a necessity. If we want to keep tomorrow alive, our villages, I would say, and this is only going to pass only by farming, because the only activity that you can get in this kind of uh, remote areas, uh, even in mountains, I mean, 
that's the kind of thing that you will keep. Well, this is an interesting uh, question to me because what we've seen, certainly if you stretch it out over, over the decades, um, there's just a lower amount of agricultural workers needed. There's less people needed because there's more mechanization. We have greater efficiency. And essentially, roughly speaking, the scales are, are, are getting bigger. If you look ahead like 10 or 20 years, like how many farms do you think we'll still need and what kind of farms will they need to still be productive and profitable and sustainable? But I think we can already see where we are going all collectively. Now we have a demand from a part of the population looking for local food access. Eh? And this is something that is increasing and this is actually something that we are doing. And I think the COVID uh, increased this demand also uh, from a part of the population. But the rest of the population, I will say, yeah, the one that they are lower uh, salaries or, I mean, income for yourself, um, they are looking for, for affordable and low price foods. And how we can make sure that in Europe they get still access to um, EU, I would say, um, food products. And that's something that we should also take into account. And, and from a farmer side, I would say, and I can even say for my generation, what we are going to look for is how we can have a, a better life in the farm, eh? uh, so we can have vacations, I would say, in a sense, how uh, we can still make income. And this will pass by uh, diversificating our way of income. So that could pass by producing energy. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier tourism, but that could also go with sequestering carbon tomorrow and using like big companies that they need us to, to make them they, uh, reduce their carbon uh, emissions. So that could be the kind of way that we will have. And also you, you mentioned new technologies, and that's why we will have through innovation tomorrow. I know eh? I can give my example, but for sure that we will have horses to plow between the vines. So that's a past thing, I would say. But also, I know that we will have robots to spray in the vines because we are not going to use the tractor anymore because it's too much work for us. And also, we don't want to have our horse having pesticide in front of it, even if it's uh, an organic pesticide, I would say. That's where we dedicate that for using robots to that tomorrow, I would say. So... That's the kind of way that we approach tomorrow um, in my farm, I would say. So if we look at, you know, the day of tomorrow and also the, the farm to fork, a lot of it, the motions and, and the money for it is supposed to come through the, the national action plans and, and the new common agricultural policy. If you look at the state of the, the CAP now, and, and we're talking really at the height of the, the trilogues, do you think where the new CAP is headed? Does it answer some of these challenges for, for young farmers that, that we've been discussing? Actually, we're really hopeful. The, the, the big issue, and that's why we don't have a lot of view on what will happen with the new CAP, is that that will be through a national strategic plans. So that means that every each member state will implement their own CAP, I would say, in a sense. And if you divide in each member state all the regions, you can have a lot of... Uh, uh, diversity on the way that they will approach uh, CAP. And that's why we are asking our members to be very, be, pardon, very be proactive in their approach also with the member states and regions to, to tackle all the issues that they, they are going to face and they are already facing eh, to make sure that we have access to all supports. Um, also, I think what it's important is to, to show that uh, I mentioned diversity, but we also diversity of landscape. That's make also unique in Europe eh, for the front in front of the rest of the world, and this is also a need. I will say that we adapt uh, regionally or locally uh, the needs that farmers can have also. Eh? Because I mean, uh, if you are in the Alps, we'll, you will not have the same uh, needs than uh, in Normandy or in the south of Italy. I would say, yeah? 
So that's the kind of thing that this have to be taken into account. So we will follow for sure what will come out from uh, national strategic plans. France seems to be one of the countries that is better positioned to make these plans and, and adapt them regionally. I was wondering on a personal level, just on your farm, have you already had a chance to give some input on the French national plan or, or even the the regional plan for your area? Yes, definitely. Um, so I'm working locally with my region on that, uh, on their, I will say, the regional strategic plan, I will say, related to the CAP. And because we have a need linked to the climate change and uh, the way that we need, for example, access to uh, irrigation, I will say, uh, water, uh, and that's a big need. And how we can improve that? I know that Spain, they are already now uh, very, uh, I would say, they have like huge access to irrigation. I think 30% of the, the, the surfaces are irrigated in, in Spain. And when we have only 10% in France, eh, and even in my region, which is nothing, eh, but we are facing the same issues and how we can improve that. And that's the kind of thing that we are working with our region. Also, we are a region uh, under our Mediterranean climate. So uh, organic farming is ex exploding. I would say like uh, a lot of farmers are going into organic. So how we can make sure that uh, the region get proper and sufficient uh, subsidies to give to farmers also, because uh, the envelope that the, the region uh, had in the past was not sufficient enough to support farmers. And so they had to do some cuttings and that very, was a big, very big issue for farmers to, to continue in organic farming in a, in a sense, because uh, if I can continue on this specific subject, it takes you four years to convert it to organic production. Eh? And so that's why we need subsidies to help us in this transition. But earlier I spoke about the, the need also from the rest of the food chain to help us because we have to have like a Dabur support uh, from uh, to help on the transition. And the big issue right now is that only farmers are leaving the risk of transition, I would say, not the rest of the food chain. And so I think we might, in a sense, uh, share this uh, risk, the rest of the food chain. And this could pass easily through contract, eh? stable contract, that's uh, help you by increasing the price step by step during your transition, I would say. So that could be a possibility, even if I'm far from your question. <laughs> but that's the kind of thing that we are working on currently with my region also and locally. We've seen quite a big growth in the last few years uh, of the of the organic sector, but it does the, the trend is not quite as explosive as it was before, is it? Do you think it, the amount of organic that is consumed is essentially linked to general income levels? So people who have more money will buy the organic because they can afford it. But we seem to be sort of hitting the bounds of what is possible with organic simply because of the price differential. I, I don't know how you how you view that. Yes, I think it's it's a big, big point. Eh? Uh, how the consumer um, look at organic currently and who actually is buying organic products. Um, I think step by step, also the rest of the population, I will say that they are not even enough money, I will say, to, to, to get access to organic. They are starting also sometimes uh, one times a week or two times a week to get access. And that's why also, if we look at the consumer, we should look like also to to the, to the restoration, you know, to restaurants and also how the um, schools, uh, I don't know what we say in English, no, no, it's, it's uh, yeah, restaurants and public procurement, I think is, uh, yeah. Exactly. And uh, how they can give access to uh, organic farming, for example, children, and, you know. And so that's the kind of thing that uh, we, we, we should tackle and give access. Now, if I go back to your question and how I see the future on how we can reach this uh, and give probably to the market and consumer uh, better access to organic products, I would say, if at the end, 
as farmers, we are still priced at a fair price. I mean, a price that's uh, take into account the, the cost of, uh, you know, the charges that we have to make this product. There is no issue. And uh, that's why also we don't have to have pressure for imported products out of Europe that come into competition uh, in the same level because they will go uh, in a lower price. And that's why also we have to make sure that in Europe, yes, we want to go organic. And I think my generation will be uh, ready to go this way in one sense. But at the end, uh, we also have to ensure farmers that they get uh, the fair income since the beginning that I'm saying. And now from the consumer side, I, I think uh, what is we are living for several years now eh, is that food is not anymore the, the first expense that we have uh, uh, from, uh, you know, from our current uh, expenses that we can have, you know, and in families. I mean, that's the kind of thing that we see. I and mean, now we want some devices, uh, which would be like a smartphone, a computer, anything or even uh, so we're coming up to the end of the podcast, and I want to ask you the, the last question, which is the same one that we ask of everybody who comes on. If we can ask you for one idea or one suggestion as practical as possible to create a more sustainable food system, what will be your idea? It's to make sure that as farmers, we can be more active in the rest of the food chain in one way. Uh, so it could pass, I said, by cooperative or union of farmers. I don't know exactly how to, to express that. So with this, this we can help also, to, because when you say sustainable, this is a very important point because sometimes farmers are sustainable in a sense because we are doing what we are asking for in a, in a way, you know. But if we want to go more, it could be sometimes hard because the, the price will not go higher eh? in a sense. So that's mean that we will have to take into account uh, this sustainability approach. And um, so if I just can give... Uh, Something for the future will be to science base the tomorrow uh, using more research uh, to help us to find new varieties, for example, uh, to help us to continue this way. Like uh, if I gave I gave my give my example of uh, new varieties for grape varieties that they are uh, ready to uh, drought and eh, to climate action, also to um, reduce the use of pesticide, and at the end also that the consumer will consume. That will be perfect. I mean. Uh, <laughs> ready to drink, that will be perfect. That's the kind of thing that we need. So we need to involve more research, the consumer, and us as farmers to be uh, part of the, the whole process. Samia Mas, president of Seja and organic wine grower. Thank you very much for joining Food Systems today and also the FFA panel in the month of March. Thank you very much. I was very glad to be present today. You've been listening to an episode of Food Systems, a podcast brought to you by the Forum for the Future of Agriculture. In the aftermath of the FFA 2021 month of March, we will be going to a weekly release schedule to bring you follow-up interviews with some of our great speakers. To make sure you get all updates, please subscribe on your podcast app as well as on Twitter at Forum for Ag to get content on this podcast, news, as well as all other month of March related content. Please check out our website www.forumforagriculture.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy your day.